0: Hey, everyone.
1: This is Craig Ballantyne from TurbulentStrain.com, and I'm here with Chris Lopez from
0: KettlebellWorkouts.com,
1: and we are going to talk about, obviously, kettlebell workouts tonight, kettlebell exercises and all sorts of cool stuff. So, Chris, welcome to the call.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Craig.
1: Very good stuff. Very good stuff. Again, you can... If you haven't already, make sure you guys have watched the videos and and read the free report and done the free workouts that Chris has put together. Now, Chris is 32 years old, and... uh, He has been training in Toronto for a long time, and I've been training at or I was training at the same gym for him when we met back in 2003. Now, Chris, you're 32 years old, and according to the website, you've been training with kettlebells for 37 years. Is that correct?
0: No, actually correct. It's actually 47 years. So uh, even pre-in utero, I was, uh... There you go. There you go.
1: So, Chris, why don't you uh, tell everyone about the, the mistake you made on the site, which we were just joking about here? Chris, you still on the call there? Oh, I scared him away. Hopefully he'll come back. Yeah. But... Uh-oh. We've got technical difficulties. All right. So <laughs> this is wonderful. Chris, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you perfectly. Can you hear me? <laughs> we, really, we can't really hear you,
1: Chris. So you better get on a different uh, phone if you uh, – or we're going to kick you out of the band here. So. So what, uh, what Chris is trying to explain anyways is that he put on the site that he'd been training for kettlebells – with kettlebells for a longer period of time than he thought. And uh, somebody asked him if, if he made a mistake. And, and Chris Chris had put down that he had been training with kettlebells for 17 years, but they've only been available – do you need to use these things? Why can't you just go and use, you know, uh, a regular dumbbell for these exercises? And even after I did the workouts for a while, um, you know, I certainly was still, you know, kind of skeptical. You know, I still, I can use, not for a while, but for a few of the workouts, I tried the kettlebells, and I just thought, you know, you can still do a lot of this stuff with with dumbbells. So I wasn't really sure what the big deal was. Um, You know, but as I got to learn the technique a lot better, some of the exercises like the swings and kettlebell snatches, they really aren't easily easily replicable with the dumbbell. They're just a little awkward with the dumbbell. And that's what you're going to find, you know, if you you know, as you can see in the turbulence training workouts, we actually use the dumbbell swing instead of kettlebell swing because we put that in there because most people don't have uh kettlebells. But you know, hopefully now we're starting to get a little bit more awareness of, uh, you know, the kettlebells that a lot of guys have been using in, in the United States and Canada for a long time, and even uh, across Europe they're becoming quite popular. And so you're starting to see them more in gyms these days. And that is one of the reasons that we're getting so many of these questions. But, um, you know, when I, I got my kettlebells from a company called dragondore.com, and it's certainly the company that I would recommend that people get theirs from. They are the company that originally brought these to North America and they make a high quality kettlebell. Some of the other ones, uh, the handles are a little awkward. Uh you, you definitely want a very smooth handle in the kettlebell. And you know, it would be cheaper make, some of them have a little um rougher edges and that can really uh, rough up your hands quite a bit. So that's and probably... dr- You there, Chris?
0: I'm there, I'm there. Sorry about that. I didn't want to interrupt you but I was actually on there for a couple of minutes while you were All talking. Right. But I I wanted to mention that Dragon Door was actually back when I was a sophomore in college, not high school, college. Uh So the math was a little bit – sorry, I'm not a math genius, guys. I apologize. But Dragon Door was actually the company that I, I ordered kettlebells from when I had entered my mother's credit card reluctantly and uh paid a good hefty sum because of shipping and everything. Uh, back then, because they weren't readily available, when I but Dragon Door was the company that I had ordered it from initially when I got my first kettlebell.
1: So when you when you got your kettlebells back in in uh, that time there, you know in the nineteen sixties or whatever, you know what <laughs> what's um, you know what, how were you using them back then when you first got them? Because you said you ordered them out of a magazine or something, and you know back then they you know they were. Just getting a few articles on the internet. Now they're all over. You can go on YouTube and see all sorts of videos and stuff. But what did you know to do with them and how are you using them? What was the reason that brought you to them in the first place?
0: I think the article itself actually convinced me. The article was written by Pavel and he was, uh, he's considered the pioneer of the North American kettlebell movement. He was the guy that brought it from Russia and created the entire culture, uh, and made it mainstream. And in his article, that one that I read, it talked about how kettlebell can help with human performance, how, uh, extending like that, that power that you generate when you extend your hips on a swing is similar to jumping. And back then I was, uh, I was participating in a lot of sports and I was obsessed with vertical jumps. So I was looking for the edge on anything that would get me to jump higher. So I was pretty much using that kettlebell aside from trying to teach myself how to swing because other than that article, there really were no other means of getting information on it. Um, other than several books that you could order pretty much from only Dragon Ball that was there at the time. But I, I was just pretty much using it as a dumbbell. I was squatting with it. Uh, I would do overhead presses with it. I was doing some rows with it as well. But that was the extent of of my kettlebell training back then. I was really a novice. And really, it was more or less just experimental. But that article had me hooked. It was all about performance and all about, you know, getting abs and and really learning how to how to use the, the kettlebell properly and how it could translate into, like, being able to jump high, pretty much.
1: Okay, cool. And then so, you know, that was when you were in university. And then, you know, when I met you in 2003, you know, we certainly didn't have them at the gym we were training at. So were you still using them through, through those years as well?
0: No. See, in between, there was a, there was a bit of a transition time for me. What had happened was I was still living at home. And you know you're you're a crazy teenager and you're kind of self-absorbed so you don't really care for yourself that much at least at that point in time i mean i was and there was a lot of stuff going on in my life at that time so i think one day i kind of left it outside in the rain and and then abused it from there and it got all rusted so then that was the end of my kettlebell training for the initial start unfortunately um so when when i met you Craig back in 2003 we were training at the gym I was uh, pretty much engrossed in the gym culture, going to uh, dumbbells and barbells, not so much machines, but doing traditional, um, I guess, traditional resistance training exercises with my clients.
1: And then, what brought you back into the kettlebell stuff? Was it uh, your clients that brought you back in, or was it yourself that brought you back in, your your own needs?
0: Well, the history of my, the history of training, training for me was always using myself as a guinea pig, so. In reality, it was, it was the nature of my lifestyle. I mean, my wife and I, after we, uh, we had gotten married and we, we had one child, we just, uh, we waited a little bit and we kept on having more. And I became a busy dad and with not a lot of time because I really wanted to devote time to my family and, and I didn't have a lot of time to train. So I was trying to find a means of getting my workouts in, but still having them effective without. Trying to put in the long marathon type of workouts that, that we saw in, in the bodybuilding magazines and, and in a lot of what other, other trainers were doing with body part splits and stuff like that. It just wasn't, it wasn't conducive to my lifestyle anymore as a busy parent or a busy individual with a job and with other responsibilities. I just couldn't spend, you know, two hours a day in the gym or eight hours a week in the gym, even though I worked in the gym. I mean, I'm sure you know, like, when you're in the gym and you're working there with clients all the time, the first thing you want to do is get the heck out of there and not train there. And that's kind of how I transitioned back into kettlebell training because it was convenient because um, all the movements that you can do with kettlebells, all the exercises that you do with kettlebells involve your entire body, and you get a great fat burning workout, you end up with having great endurance um, and you you end up packing on a little bit of muscle too, so it was everything that I wanted in a workout.
1: All right, so the, the biggest question, you know, the obvious question I kind of covered was why not just a dumbbell or can I use just a dumbbell? And so what what's kind of like the the answer to that one?
0: A lot of the a lot of the movements uh, when you're kettlebell training it involves a certain dynamic and certain shifts of gravity. Uh, and that can really the exercises themselves can only be accomplished really with a kettlebell. Otherwise, with the dumbbell, because of the way the weight is distributed, it's kind of awkward. There's a there's a bit of a momentum involved with kettlebell training, um, and there's there's just a certain shift in gravity and weight that allows you to uh, to really get the movement right. And that's uh, that's why. It's actually better to use kettlebells for certain things like swings and snatches and, and stuff like that um, than a dumbbell.
1: Yeah, I mean, I certainly found it that way, and it's, you know, definitely the way the, the kettlebell moves. Obviously, you have a different grip on it as well, and you're just able to, to move that hand over it compared to uh, doing, trying to do the same movement with the dumbbell. Although, you know, I certainly was a, a dumbbell, so to speak, and that I tried for a long time with some of the exercises, but you know, when I finally got, you know, ordered the kettlebells myself, and I have a 35 and 253s and a 70 myself, and, and you certainly, especially when you get up with a heavier weight, you definitely need the kettlebell to do those exercises properly. Now, do you need to be an advanced lifter to use kettlebells?
0: Uh, no, not at all. I mean, it's, it's, great. it's always going to be great if you have a, a background in lifting, but... Kettlebells vary in size from four kilograms all the way up to, like, 108 108 pounds and beyond. Um, so, no, you don't have to be uh, an expert lifter to be able to do that. I mean, there, there's instruction out there, and as long as you get the basics down, uh, as long as you learn how to squat properly, how to brace your abs properly, how to use your hips properly, um, then you can get kettlebell training.
1: Now, would you say that there's any exercises that actually – you know, if you're a bodybuilder and you've been training a certain way, is there anything that can actually get in the way of your ability to do kettlebell training and you actually kind of need to regress a bit and and retrace some steps and, and learn proper technique even more than maybe a beginner? Maybe a beginner is better off?
0: I, w- I would think so, yeah. I mean, um, especially with the with the more dynamic list, like the snatch and the clean, and, and maybe – Maybe even the swings, but definitely the snatch. I mean, you've, you've got to regress a little bit and uh, get to a certain level so that you learn the basics, um, yeah, before you can really pick up a, a huge amount of weight. I mean, if you could dumbbell snatch uh, or if you could do a one-handed snatch with a dumbbell at, at 70 pounds, if you were to try that with a kettlebell, I, I think you'd really be surprised at how difficult it would be just because of the way the weight's distributed and, and how momentum is used in the entire movement. So definitely, if you're, if you're an expert bodybuilder and you've been training for a long time, I, I wouldn't jump right into a weight that you think that you would be used to initially.
1: Well, no, absolutely not, especially with the snatches and stuff. But, but, I mean,
0: in our, in our program,
1: in the kettlebell program you put together, it's really much, much more simplified at the beginning of the exercises. Is even in the free workout that we gave, we're really more just the beginner exercise. We were just getting into even doing swings and not even attempting snatches. I mean, I doubt there's anybody on the call that, that does snatches at, at that high a level with dumbbells. So, um, another question kind of related to that is if you are flexible or if you're not flexible, you know, if you don't have the ability to touch your toes and that sort of stuff, is that essential for you? in order to do the kettlebell exercises?
0: Um, No, I I don't believe it is. I I think that uh, working a certain amount of range of motion and flexibility is important, but I think the important thing is uh, really understanding the mechanics of what you're doing. If you're able to use your hips properly without flexing your spine, and uh, really know how to use your hamstrings and your glutes in a movement. So that means really knowing how to push back with your hips and Knowing how to extend your hips at the right time, then I think you can master the movements relatively easy. That being said, uh, there is, a, there is some flexibility and joint mobility work in the, uh, the revolution program. So we will address that early on in the program just to make sure that no injuries happen or you don't end up pulling anything or, or anything like that. So yeah, there is a bit of flexibility and, and mobility mainly. Uh, initially in the program just to kind of take care of that. Not only mobility or flexibility for your hamstrings, but also for your upper back and shoulders, which is incredibly important, especially when you start doing uh, overhead exercises.
1: So with the with the swing, I mean one of the things that I did wrong when I learned the was training with me hedge and we were doing the swing is we were bending our knees quite a bit, not pushing our hips back enough. This is you know like five years ago. And you know doing more of a squatting movement and Maybe touch a little bit more on doing the proper swing, even though, you know, obviously it's a little bit difficult just doing it verbally versus doing it on on video, which you've done as well. But talk about the importance of pushing the hips back and getting your glutes and hamstrings involved in the swing and how it's not really just another basic squat exercise.
0: Well, the, re- the reason why I love the swing so much is is because it is, as you said, you use your, you use your glutes and your hamstrings so much. I mean, we, we live in a society where where we're very tight in our hip flexors and in our quads because we're sitting all the time or we're in the driving position all the time. So the swing is a great exercise to really combat that and get our glutes and our hamstrings involved. Um, it's important to, to really drive our hips back so that we can kind of eliminate the whole glute and hip flexor uh, use in the swing so when you're doing the swing you really want to drive your hips back and bend your knees just slightly and almost brace your abs and keep your back straight so that you're flexing at the hip and trying to not so much bring your chest into your thighs but like lean forward as much as you can without really breaking that back so you want to maintain a strong arch in your back really brace your abs hard and uh and then drive your hips back so that when you complete the motion, when you go through the entire swing motion, all you're doing is really thrusting your hips forward and then extending your, uh, your hips up so that you come upright. And that's why kettlebell exercises or the, the swing itself is such a great ab exercise is because it forces you to brace your abs through the entire motion and really maintain that straight back.
1: And then, so, you know, what we were doing in the videos, there were... I mean if people can go and take a look at the videos that you have people download as well, they definitely take a look at, at see that motion and compare that to the squat and it'll be it'll be quite obvious. Now, you also train women with kettlebells and, and a lot of people were asking, can you train as a female with kettlebells the same way as men? And, you know, because they were they were worried that same same question that we get with using weights is if I'm a woman, I don't want to get, you know, big bulky muscles. Will I get these from lifting kettlebells? And, and why don't you tell us about female clients that you have worked with and the results that they've gotten, you know, to kind of dispel that myth.
0: Okay. Um, well, one of the female clients was uh, featured in the video. I don't know if everybody got a chance to see the, the video success story. Um, and she's, uh, she's 66 years old. She's got 11 grandchildren. We've been training with kettlebells for about a year and a half now. Uh, she just has a 4-kilogram kettlebell and an 8-kilogram kettlebell. She has the body of a dancer. And uh when we used to – there were, there were times when she wouldn't so much get big and bulky, but – she, uh, she had issues with her shoulder and, and with some joint mobility issues. And believe it or not, in the past year and a half, since we've been training with kettlebells, all those issues have, have gone away. She's, uh, she calls it, she says that she's tightened up, actually. So she's maintained the same amount of weight. She looks a lot thinner. Her shoulders haven't gotten any bigger. Um, her waist has actually gotten thinner and she's got great arms and six pack abs. And she's just one of the examples. I mean, so to say that, you know, women in general will get big and bulky for training. I mean, truth be told, using weights, even using weights at all, like regular free weights, I mean, women will not get big and bulky. It's just not in their genetic profile. And I, I fully believe that kettlebell training is probably even more beneficial for women than it is for men because of all the hip, uh, all the glute and hamstring work involved in, in swinging and in snatching. Um, women have a, have a funny angle at their hips, their cue angle, which forces them to kind of be more quad dominant, just naturally. That, that's just the body mechanics of, of how they are. So using a kettlebell and swinging it and, and doing, you know, Romanian deadlifts and, and snatches and that kind of stuff really force the glutes and hamstrings to come into play and kind of balance that all out. So it actually creates a lot of good balance for them uh, in, in their lower extremities as well. Well, what
1: about some of the other female stories? Like has your wife used them or have you used them with the volleyball teams that you've trained? or or other, you know, women in your group training classes? Who else have you used with it for the female training aspects of it? And what other exercises do they like, maybe talking about some of the upper body strength? Because, you know, in general, when I used to train women, the upper body strength was a little bit behind their lower body strength. Um,
0: yeah, my wife used it, uh, used uh, kettlebells in between our third, and fourth child, and uh, that combined with, you know, e- e- just eating the right food, she uh, she was able to lose uh, 25 pounds, so that was pretty much all of her baby weight, so about 25 pounds uh, within, it was about three months, so, you know, give or take a week or so, but that, that was about what she's lost. I've used it with a... Uh, I mean, if you saw the intro video to my story video, my daughter, A.J., my 11-year-old, has started swing kettlebell. She's a volleyball player. I've used it with teenage volleyball players as well, uh, going about 4, 8, and some of the more stronger girls uh, using uh, 12 pounds. Um, to answer your question as far as the upper body uh, strength is concerned, I've never seen a case out of all the females that I've trained, and i, and I train trained quite a few. I mean, I've got a few boot camp classes and, and a few female volleyball teams that I work with. I've never seen an instance where they have gotten excessively muscular at all. Um and this is doing the full spectrum of from snatches to high pulls to even overhead presses and, and rows. Uh nobody has really gotten huge le- at all, like huge muscles or they they all come away with that that lean athletic dancer type of look.
1: All right, very good. So into the uh more general basic questions here is, you know, it's actually going back to the flexibility Is People get very concerned about, you know, that movement of the swings and snatches where they're bending, pushing back the hips, and keeping their abs going down. And they, they see that, and their first impression is, what about my back? Is my back going to get injured doing kettlebell training?
0: Right. Um, one of the first things that we tackle at the beginning of the program is how to brace. And uh, before we even get into a lot of uh, hip flexion and really get into any type of swing movement, uh, we try to tackle that by doing lots of stability exercises for your abs and, and really try to hammer down the point of ab bracing because that is, um, aside from learning how to use your hips and use your glutes properly, really drive your hips back, uh, ab bracing is probably the number one um, the number one component to kettlebell training is staying tight, and you're going to need that when you squat. You're going to need that when you deadlift. You're going to need that when you do the windmill, when you get to that point, when you get into the more Olympic-type movements like the push press. It is of utmost importance that you brace your abs. If you are actually able to brace your abs and, and do swing properly, you will strengthen your back. You won't injure it. You will actually make it stronger.
1: Awesome stuff. I mean, that's really, really important. And, you know, you kind of touched on the ab stuff there. And certainly we get the, the question in, I get the question every day. You know, people look at my programs and say, there's not enough ab work. There's not enough ab work. I want to do more abs. What should I do for extra abs? And you just talked about how almost every kettlebell exercise there has abdominal work in it. So why don't you tell us about how abdominal training fits in to the kettlebell workouts that you put together and why or why not you have direct ab training in there?
0: Okay, um, well, first, let, let's get one thing straight. The, the object of your abs is to stabilize your torso. It is to keep your spine erect and to keep your torso from caving in during certain movements. It's there for, for stability. Uh, it's not there to bring, your abs aren't there to bring your chest into your hips as in a crunch. If they were meant to do that, then it would look like a hamstring, like it would be a flex a flexion muscle. But it's not, and that's why you have those striations running across your abs, because it's there for stability. It's there to help you anti-rotate. Um, so when it comes to kettlebell training, you have to keep your abs braced the entire time. And by keeping your abs braced, when you're doing your windmills, when you're doing your overhead presses, when you're lifting anything over your head, you're bracing your abs and you're working it the way they're meant to be worked. And the way, uh, the way kettlebell training works is as you are moving the implement, which would be the kettlebell, around in different areas uh, throughout, I guess, throughout your vicinity or throughout your, your center of gravity as you're moving it across your center of gravity, you're bracing as tight as you can, and that is how your abs are working. That is how they are getting work. That is what will get you the six-pack abs uh, and the, the, the abstract that you're looking for. Now, in saying that, um, in the Revolution Program, there are some ab direct exercises just to kind of balance out the swing. So we'll get a little bit of mountain climbers in there. Again, a stability exercise where you, remove one pillar when you're in a push-up position and you're removing one pillar by lifting your leg off the ground, trying to touch your, your knee to your elbow, that's, and I guess it would be a direct ab exercise, but still the point is you're trying to stabilize and prevent your hips from falling or your torso from rotating, and that's how you work your abs in all the exercises, uh, all the kettlebell exercises in the TT Revolution program.
1: Well, I guess it wouldn't be direct ab exercise in the way that people think of direct ab exercises in the, you know, either the spinal flexion, the sit-up type exercise. Now, the other question I was going to have for you there is if you can maybe explain a little bit what you mean when you were saying, you know, we're taking away one pillar during the, the mountain climber. Why don't you explain that a little bit because it's a good way of putting it, but I don't think a lot of people have heard uh, it put that way before.
0: Okay. Um so if you th- if you think about a push up, you're on you're on you're in a quadruped, you're you're in you're in you're on four pillars. And by removing one of those pillars, be it your toe or a hand or you know, whatever, you're actually forcing your abs to work because your your abs have to your abs and your glutes work in conjunction with your lower back to really try to keep your hips stable. So if you're not bracing, then what you'll notice is that your hip will fall and you'll kind of rotate in your lower back. Now that is probably the number one thing that we want to avoid, not only in kettlebell training, but in any type of training is any type of lumbar rotation. You want to really force your abs to brace to keep your lumbar spine nice and, nice and strong and stable. And when I say removing a pillar, all that means is that I'm taking one of those, those supporting devices, so a hand, as in a push-up or uh, or in a mountain climber, of the leg, uh, and really forcing your abs to work a little bit more. So you're just, again, you're just forcing your abs to work the way they're meant to be worked, which is to stabilize your torso.
1: Perfect. That's a really good explanation. Thank you very much. Now, another question along those lines of, you know, worrying about injury is a lot of people worry about injuring their wrists or their forearms from some of those exercises. So, why don't you address that topic for us as well?
0: Okay, um, I think the main, uh, the number one rule when you're uh, your kettlebell training. and It's funny because one of the uh, one of the more expert kettlebell uh, training kettlebell users pointed pointed this out in in one of the pictures on the uh, on the website was that your wrist needs to always stay in neutral. And by keeping it in neutral, and that means not flexing or extending it one way or the other, uh, you're going to limit the amount of uh, of strain put on the muscles in your flexor and sensors on your forearm. And that's probably one of the best ways to uh, prevent any type of wrist injury is just to make sure that your wrist stays neutral. So when you're holding a kettlebell, uh, as you can see on the website, you want to hold it with a straight wrist and into the nook of your, between your elbow or between your forearm and your bicep, right, where the elbow is. So if you take a look at kettlebellworkouts.com and look at the top picture on the, uh, I guess it would be the left-hand side, uh, you'll notice that the bell is resting between the nook or in the nook of my elbow between my bicep and my forearm. Uh, and keeping that wrist neutral is one of the ways that you can prevent any type of injuries with your wrist. Because once you have a, uh, an injury with your wrist, uh, for, for kettlebell work, I mean, you're pretty much limited in what you can do. Um, the other thing is, uh, I notice, and I, I teach this to a lot of my, uh, a lot of my clients when they're trying to learn the snatch exercise initially, what they, what they, when they see the snatch first performed, it looks like you're actually driving the kettlebell up and then flipping it. So you're actually doing a, it looks like you're, you're doing a, a one-arm swing and then the kettlebell is kind of flying over and flipping down onto your form and really banging the form. And, uh, one of my friends who, who's a, who's a training expert really drove this home for me a few years ago when he said, you know, When you're doing that exercise, you actually want to move around the bell and really punch up in the air when you're doing a snatch exercise. And what that'll do is that'll limit the amount of swing back onto your forearm and force you to really, by moving around, you're kind of cradling the kettlebell and really driving it up and punching it to the sky. So for that particular exercise, the snatch exercise, it's high pull, really bring the elbow up high, and then moving your moving your wrist around the kettlebell uh to into a comfortable position overhead. Now, that's a, that's pretty hard for a lot of people to grasp initially. So it'll take a lot of practice, and that's why when we were talking earlier, if you're, uh, you know, an experienced lifter, you w- whatever you could snatch or one-hand one snatch with a, with a dumbbell, you would never do with a kettlebell, probably for that sole reason alone, because it's not the same movement. You actually have to move around the implement. So when you're learning that, that's probably why we suggest that you go with a, a lighter weight. And then another trick of the trade, and I actually learned this from our friend Holly Rigsby, um, was to get a set of really big, thick wristbands when you're initially starting out.
1: Okay, yeah, that's a good idea, because that'll protect your forearms there from when you're learning the technique. Now, another really important question is, people are always asking, what weight should I use? Because with the kettlebells, it's quite different than the dumbbells, because they often come in fixed weights. I mean, now with you know, so many other companies getting into producing kettlebells. You see kettlebells in all types of uh, regular gym poundages and going up in five-pound increments. But regularly, the kettlebells from Dragon Door, you know, we're used to buying these things in, you know, 18 kilograms and, you know, 35 yeah, that- kilograms. So why don't you tell us, you know, where a woman should start, you know, a beginner woman, beginner man, and then maybe a stronger woman and a stronger man.
0: Okay, so a beginner woman, I would say, I mean my my client um, that you saw in the video, Judy, would be a perfect example. I mean, we started her off with a four kilogram and I had bought her an eight kilogram because I knew that she would she's very coordinated for her age. I shouldn't even say for her age, for a woman in general, she's incredibly coordinated. Um, so she was able to really grasp the concept of, of how to snatch and how to how to use it properly. So we started initially with a four kilogram, moved up to an eight kilogram really quickly. If you're an experienced uh if, if you're a beginning uh, woman lifter but somebody who uh, who's familiar with the weight room and everything, I I would say that you could probably start off with an 8-kilogram. Uh, if you're still a little reluctant, then maybe a 4-kilogram, but I think within that range is probably a good way to start, either the 4 to the 8 and and then eventually to a 12. Uh, if you're a stronger woman, then I would say 8 to 12 is, is probably where you would want to start, uh, 12 being a little bit ambitious. but I mean, if, you, if you're if you relatively experienced in the weight room and you have a, a, a little bit of experience with calibers before then you can probably get away with going with a 12 uh, just being, you know, extra cautious about uh, the swings or, or mainly the snatches and not banging on the forearm thing. Um, if you're a male, I would say start out with a 12 um, if you're a beginner. Because the 12 is probably pretty versatile if you're a beginner. You can use it for squats. You can use it for rows. You can use it pretty much similarly to the way that I used it when I first started training um, when when I was younger, which was using it pretty much as a dumbbell and then using swings and getting familiar with the swing movement. Um, if you are uh, a more experienced male, 16 or the 24. Would uh, probably be the best way to go. If you can find a weight in between, I'm not sure. I think they go up in two pound increments or two kilogram increments. Now uh, you can find them uh, that way. So then maybe somewhere between maybe a 16 and a 20 would probably be the best way to go if you are uh, if you're fairly comfortable and you're fairly experienced with a weight room and you dabble with kettlebells a little bit.
1: That's wonderful. I think the uh, the women will love it that you said you know coordinated you know for a woman that will that should go over pretty well with everybody listening. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, that so, kind of so actually, the next question I have is um, is about different companies. I mean, Dragon Door is the pinnacle of the you know the equipment. Now, are are the mass-produced ones from some of these other companies that are trying to get into the game? Are they decent? Are they failures, or are they you know pretty good?
0: I, I think they're pretty good. I mean. It was like what we were talking about earlier on, where you just have to kind of find a bell that has um, not so much a a thick, thick handle, but not a very thin handle, and the handle's got to be smooth. Um, I get my bells here from the local CrossFit gym. They get it from a company based out of Montreal here in Canada, so so that's that's pretty convenient as far as uh, purchasing it goes for me. Um, so my suggestion would be try to find something that's relatively local, but I think the quality of the bells out there right now are um, are pretty good. Bless you. Um, so I don't know uh, as as far as I'm concerned, Dragon Door is still right up there as far as the quality goes and everything. Um, I'm not too familiar with the other companies out there that are producing them. I'm happy with where I get mine because I've compared them to the Dragon Door product and they're they're relatively similar. Uh, in terms of, uh, the handle and the way the, the weight is distributed. I know, uh, Pro Bells makes, uh, they make the competitive belts, I think, that they use for actual competitive kettlebell lifting. So I would assume the Pro Bells are, uh, fairly, a fairly good company as well. But, uh, aside from them and the other company, Montreal, that, uh, my supplier gets the kettlebells from, I, I think those are probably the, uh, the top two out there right now.
1: Alright, and then going back to the exercise stuff. What's a beginner progression in the exercises? So, you know, certainly we're not going to start a, a person out on snatches on day one, uh, you know, so going back to what kettlebell weight should be we used, it's really more about, you know, doing squats and doing maybe eventually working up the swings. That's, that's not even, you know, the first exercise on the, on the list either. So, you know, what exercise do you walk people through when getting started?
0: Oh, the, the, probably the most important exercise to really learn how to use your hips and push your hips back is the, uh, the face the wall squat. And, uh, I know that, um, there are a lot of kettlebell books out there that really start people off with that. And all that, all that exercise is, is, uh, setting you up facing a wall with your toes maybe about two or three inches away from the wall. Uh, your hands are down in front of you and you are just basically squatting you're going to drive your hips back really focus on keeping your back straight and not let your knees hit the wall and what that does having that wall barrier there in front of you really forces you and makes you conscious of what it feels like to drive your hips back if you flex at the spine then your head's going to hit the wall so you really got to focus on keeping that back straight which is another great point or another uh uh great emphasis of that exercise and why it's so good so I, I always start people out with a face ball squat, really making sure that they understand how to squat and how to use their hips and, and really drive their hips back. Um, and then the progression from there would be a regular prisoner squat or would be a, uh, a kettlebell squat where you're holding the bell between the knees. So you're holding it with both hands and it's falling between the knees and you're just learning how to squat from there. And then after that... Um, the progression from there might be a slight swing or we would get into maybe a a deadlift where the kettlebell is falling, uh, again, between your feet, um, but really emphasizing keeping that back straight, flexing at the hip and driving the hips back so that you get into the initial motion of the swing or the setup of the swing. And again, Craig, I mean, it's all about really focusing on keeping that back straight and then driving the hips back learning how to use your glutes and your hamstrings properly.
1: Yeah, and I've definitely, you know, gone through book where He works people through the first exercises, and, and, you know, I went through them all and did the the wall squat that you mentioned there. And it is a very good teaching tool for that type of of movement. So, excellent stuff. Um, Now, another person asked if they, you know, since they were beginners, shouldn't they start lifting regular weights first before using kettlebells?
0: Um not so much I, I i don't think so in fact, I think it might be if you're brand new to lifting and kettlebells may be a solution for you i i think it might be to your advantage to actually learn how to do kettlebells uh first prior to that just because uh your body doesn't have any uh i guess I don't want to say preconceived ideas. I'm trying to search for the word that I'm looking for, but it doesn't have any preconceptions of how to actually do things. So you can actually learn from scratch and learn the way things are are meant to be done properly, as opposed to, you know, trying to lift weights first and then learn things that might be a little bit different in in the kettlebell world when you're actually using, using kettlebells. Very
1: good. And a question comes in from Rob saying, do I need to buy a whole bunch of kettlebells so that I can do every exercise?
0: Absolutely not. My, uh, my first suggestion is find out if it's for you. Uh, if you can, you know, find a friend who has them already or see if somebody can lend it to you, uh, and see if it's for you. You don't have to buy a whole bunch. The workouts are designed I mean, the whole point of everything, of the kettlebells is, is convenience and efficiency. Uh, you'll see later on in the week in the video that I put up for one of the 10 minute workouts that are there that, I mean, not, not to spoil the video, but I did a workout in 10 minutes. I had a kettlebell in the truck of my car. I was in the, I was in the parking lot of a hospital when I did it and it was one bell. I did a myriad of movements, just a bunch of basic movements and all I needed was one bell and I got a great workout in. So, Initially, I would say no, absolutely not. You don't have to buy a bunch of different kettlebells. You don't have to buy pairs of movements in different weights, do different exercises. Just tackle, if you're a beginner and you're just starting out and you want to buy one kettlebell, buy the kettlebell uh, that we suggested for whatever level you're at and work on mastering the movements first with that bell. And once you feel confident enough and you feel like you need a little bit more of a challenge, then, yeah, by all means, go ahead and purchase another one or even a pair, what have you. But make sure you're in love with it first and understand the the beauty of the kettlebell is its versatility. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, literally, a, it's, it's a gym. I mean, it's a gym that you can hold in your hand.
1: That's a really good point. And, and why don't you talk a little bit more about some of the outrageous places that you may have done some kettlebell workouts, and you I know you've done some while picking your daughters up from school and that sort of stuff. So... It's yeah, there's people to, to
0: hear that. There's the uh, there's the infamous minivan workout that I that I uh, I I told people about and that some of my uh, some of my readers know about. Um, I was uh, I was really hard pressed. It was back when I was training eight ten hours a day, uh, really hard pressed for time. Needed to get a workout in because I hadn't worked out in about three days. So I had a I had a set of. Uh, uh, straps or, or rings or blast straps in my trunk in addition to a kettlebell and a sled. So I set myself up on the minivan. I strapped the straps onto the roof rack. I opened uh, the middle door, and I did a series of uh, suspension work. So I did some suspended push-ups on those blast straps. I did some inverted rows, and then I got the kettlebell, did some snatches, and then I put the kettlebell and uh, a plate onto the the sled, and I drive the sled. and. It was funny because I actually had an audience. The teacher came out to talk to me and asked me not to do it again uh, because I had an audience of kids really lined up at the edge of the classroom kind of watching me out the window while I was doing this in the parking lot. So that that was one of my experiences. Um, Another one was uh, uh, at the beach. Uh, I used to play volleyball a lot, and I used to bring a kettlebell with me just to swing and kind of stay warm um, while I was there, you know, just to – Kind of get a workout in and 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 have something there, and that that attracted a lot of attention. So I mean, the the like I said before, I mean the beauty of the kettlebell is its versatility. You can take it anywhere.
1: And then moving on from that one, you know, how does the kettlebell training, you know, you're using it in everyday life and in all these places? How does it help people, your clients, with everyday life and in their function?
0: It it really just. um Well, I mean, look, let's break down that movement again. I mean, the movement of picking something off the ground is like if you're picking your child off the ground or if you're, if you're in the garden and you're working in the garden, you have to pick like a big rock off the ground. I mean, that is, that's the base movement for a kettlebell swing or for a deadlift or for lifting a kettlebell off the ground. You set your brace, uh, keep your abs nice and tight, you drive your hips back and you lift, you know, just your arms are just there for, as hooks. And you'll notice that when we teach the kettlebell swing, the big emphasis is that your arms are just along for the ride. You're not trying to lift the kettlebell with your shoulders or your, or your arms or anything. You're letting your hips generate the movement or generate the power to drive off the ground. So, that, I mean, that is the most basic movement is, is lifting something off the ground. In addition to that, I mean, kettlebell, kettlebell lifting involves a lot of overhead lifting. So, and that translates to anything from – reaching up over your head to try to grab a can of soup up from the top shelf of a cupboard to, you know, building a house and a construction worker trying to lift a big beam over his head to get it up to, you know, his co who's trying to get it up to the foundation of the house. I mean, kettlebell lifting involves a bunch of overhead lifting. It involves, uh, like, a bunch of hip flexion and extension lifting things off the ground, and those are the two basic movements um, of everyday life.
1: Awesome stuff. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was how much space does someone need inside the house to do this stuff? I know you mentioned in one of your articles in the past that, you know, you should be able to train somebody inside an elevator, and I thought that was a pretty good analogy. Is that about how much space you generally need? Maybe a little bit more, I guess, in terms of height, uh, you know, for swings or something. But is that pretty much all you need?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all you need. I mean, I, I said an eight by eight and that was just, uh, I mean, I got that idea from one of my, uh, my, one of my early mentors when I started training and he said, you know what, if, if, uh, if I'm taking you on a, on a job interview, uh, my job interview for you would be, you know, we're locked in an elevator. I want you to train me and that'll determine whether or not I hire you. And I kind of took that and, and wrote it in the article and that, I mean, it's true, uh, with, with, the way I used to work out, um, I hated running on a treadmill and I hated being cooped up inside and, and doing intervals on a bike and stuff like that. So I used to go out to a track, but with a, I would do my weights and then I would head out to the track and, and that would tack on 15, 20, 30 minutes onto the end of my workout. And uh, with kettlebell training, um, even before when I wasn't so full on into kettlebell training, I was still training with dumbbells and barbells, uh, I would use kettlebell swings as my metabolic work because it was just so convenient. Um, you need an 8 by 8 space. Like you said, a little bit more height because of the swings. If you want to take it up nice and high or if you're doing snatches, but literally that's all you need. And I mean, that's that, that's what really has driven me toward wanting to do kettlebells full time now just because of my lifestyle, because of the limited amount of space, because I didn't want to have to go to the gym and, and then you know, have to run out to a track to do my interval work or have it done on separate days. With kettlebell training, I can get my strength work in, I can get my interval work in, and I can get it done in 20, 30 minutes. And I do it three, four times a week. And, I mean, as far as space requirements are concerned, 8 by 8 with a little bit more room up above, 10 by 10 if you have the luxury, but, I mean, 8 feet by 8 feet will certainly suffice. Just make sure the kids aren't around because you don't want to be hitting anybody. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Another question I have for you was, you know, what do your workouts look like? Why don't you tell us a bit about Chris Lopez's personal kettlebell workouts?
0: <laughs> um, my personal workouts right now are uh, kind of a mix between um, our, our your TT supersets and uh, some metabolic work that I use for um, for the fat-burning aspect of my work. For example, um, I've got uh, one of the 32-kilogram kettlebells here at home, and I did a clean and press. And I would do uh, three sets of eight reps, and I supersetted that with chin-ups. So I have, um, I have a bar set up outside in my backyard for chin-ups for the outdoors, because it's summertime and I love training outside, so I would do this on my deck. And I would do three sets of eight for the uh, clean and press on each side. Um, more towards the end, I was only getting in about five or six reps, and then I would hit the chin up bar and do my chin ups. And initially, uh, to start the workout, those I mean, obviously after a warm up and some joint building and stuff like that, that was my workout. It was a superset, and then I would get into like a, what I would call a metabolic circuit. So for today, for example, I did a Tabata where I was combining uh, kettlebell swings with push ups. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the Tabata, um, it's just a protocol created by this or, you know, discovered by this Japanese scientist um, where you go 20 seconds of work and you take 10 seconds of rest. So my interval work today consisted of two Tabatas, each of doing 20 seconds of kettlebell swings, two-handed kettlebell swings, resting for 10 seconds, and then doing 20 seconds of push-ups. So I would do that for four minutes straight. I rested for about two minutes, and then I went at it again, and then I was done. And just based on that one super set, and doing the Tabata, I got done in somewhere like twenty-five, twenty-six minutes, or something like that.
1: What are some of the shortest workouts that you've done that you think are really, truly effective and just as good as you know someone going into a regular gym and doing you know maybe forty minutes of training?
0: Definitely the uh, the five-minute snatch test. You'll you'll see when you pick up your uh, your kettlebell revolution. Uh, workouts that there are challenge workouts in there, which are almost like rite of passage workouts where they're timed and you have to complete a certain amount of reps of various exercises, uh, and there's no scheduled rest and it's just a matter of beating your time each time. Um, so one of the best, uh, one of the best workouts that I've done thus far this summer, uh, since I've, uh, really just been focusing on kettlebell training is just doing a five-minute snatch test, and that's just doing as many one-arm snatches as I can, making sure that I'm getting an even amount of work on each side, and I'm timing, timing myself for five minutes. And uh, that is, uh, I mean, not to get all hardcore or anything, but I've been, sometimes I've been close to puking. I mean, my goal is, is to get to about 120. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, the, the Dragon Door certification requires you to do uh, a five-minute snatch test and get 100 reps, uh, within the five minutes. So my goal for the summer has been to get to 120, um, just to really over prepare myself and to know that I can actually do it. And I've been close. I haven't yet, but I have been close to, uh, to really, uh, grabbing that bucket.
1: I can imagine now. Um, <clears throat> what about for a guy who's, who's heard all this stuff? And, or a guy or a gal, anyways, uh, who who works out pretty hard in the gym and, you know, wants to experiment. Like you said before, I really liked your ideas of, you know, try it out first and, and, you know, see how it goes. You know, borrow a kettlebell from a friend or somebody, or maybe if your gym has one, try some of this stuff out. But what are some of the, like maybe the top three exercises from a traditional training program, even like, you know, a traditional turbulence training program, what are the top three exercises to replace with kettlebell exercises and, you know, obviously which kettlebell exercises to replace them with?
0: Okay. Um, First would be, I would say, the military press, the one-arm. I I know you do a lot of uh, one-arm dumbbell presses or one-arm military presses. Now, doing that with a kettlebell uh, is really tough just because of the way uh, the weight is distributed. So, when you actually get up into lockout, there's a lot of... uh, Shoulder and lat and upper back strength required to hold that weight overhead and not allow that shoulder to kind of fall back. So that would be the first thing that I would replace is the uh, the one-arm dumbbell press. And the reason, I mean, I mean, the other good thing about that is because it's unilateral, meaning it, you're only weighted on one side. So your abs and your obliques have to work extra, extra hard to really keep you in balance. Um, so that would be one of the exercises. The other exercise would be probably a dumbbell swing, replace it with a kettlebell swing, Um and, uh, do that exercise, uh, do the dumbbell swing or do the kettlebell swings instead of, instead of the dumbbell swings. Again, the, the kettlebell swing is probably one of the bread, is the bread and butter exercise, uh, when it comes to kettlebell training. And then the third I would say is, um, is a row, a standard row. You can actually, um, get a lot of variation, a lot more ab work using a kettlebell and doing what's called a modified renegade row. So if you were to, Set yourself up for a standard dumbbell row um, on a bench, but this time go off to the, the long part of the bench and put your hand on the edge of the bench there on the, on the long end of it. And set yourself up so that your feet are apart and you're fully extended so that your back is straight. And then grab that kettlebell, or even a dumbbell, I guess, but a kettlebell, because this is a transition into the more harder renegade row that you'll see in the, uh, the Revolution program you are going to have to brace your abs a lot more and resist rotation. So you'll get a lot more work in your upper back, and you'll get a lot more work in your obliques and in your glutes to keep yourself nice and straight. So that's called a modified renegade row to replace the, the traditional dumbbell row where you have one hand and one knee on the bench. All is right. that kind of clear on that one? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, That's very, very good. And, uh, the, you know, the regular renegade row is probably one of my, uh, my favorite exercises with the uh, with ke- I mean obviously you can do that with dumbbells as well, but it's one of my favorite exercises in general that most people don't know about, so do you wanna explain to them what the the renegade row is
0: yeah, absolutely, and like Craig said i mean you can you can use two dumbbells for this exercise as well. I think it's a lot harder with a kettlebell uh with kettlebells on the ground, so the setup is you've got two kettlebells of the same weight, you could use different weight, but you probably have to make sure that you even things out but um two kettlebells of the same weight on the ground, the handles are, I guess, parallel to the way you you're you looking at them. So they would be straight across, and you're going to grab the kettlebells and then set yourself up in a push-up position so that your toes are on the ground, and maybe you want to spread your feet, maybe about hip width, maybe a little bit wider if you're a beginner. The wider your, your feet are, the, the easier this exercise will be. So I would say if, if you're a beginner just trying it out or if you've never done the exercise before, take your feet a little bit wider than hip width, and so you're in a push-up position, you've got the kettlebells, you're holding them, your elbows are locked out, you're in in that push-up position with your feet uh, wider than hip-width apart, you're going to brace your abs and squeeze your glutes, and you're going to take one kettlebell and you're going to row it by bending your elbow and squeezing your shoulder blade into your hip. And what you're doing is, again, like what we were talking before earlier on in the call, is you're removing one pillar. Now, you may be saying big deal, but if you've got... 53 pounds in one arm and you're trying to lift up, then your abs and your glutes are screaming because your body's natural inclination would be to rotate and to kind of give in and go towards whichever way you're pulling that weight. So you're squeezing your glutes and you're squeezing your abs as tight as you can in addition to getting all the benefits of having that upper back work done when you're rowing. And then you're going to bring it down under control nice and slow and you're going to do the same thing on the other side. And, I mean, the good thing about that exercise is there's a myriad of combinations that you can do with it. I mean, you can do that renegade row and go one on each side, and then you can do a mountain climber, and then you can do a push-up. Or you can do the renegade row, do a push-up, jump in and do a burpee, and then swing the kettlebell up and do a clean, do a press. Now, that's a more advanced movement, but it just goes to show you the versatility of that one particular renegade row exercise.
1: Very good, sir. Very good. Uh, You know, that's all the questions that that I certainly have. And, and, you know, everybody who wrote in their questions, we appreciate you taking the time to answer those. And, uh, you know, the other thing I was going to say is people who who may have been overwhelmed by some of the information there, if you really get a chance, make sure you go back into the report that Chris made and take a look at all the pictures. And then, you know, make sure you watch the videos as well. And also we'll have more stuff. Like Chris said, he's going to have another video for us. Later on this week, plus he's going to have the um, blog contest, which is going to be starting tomorrow. So we'll send an email out for a replay of this call as well if you want to listen to it again and you know check some of the form on the exercises and, and some of the workouts that he mentioned. It's really good stuff. So, Chris, thank you very much.
0: Thank you for having me, sir.
1: All right, very good. So, everyone, make sure you are always checking out kettlebellworkouts.com. That site is based around a blog, so we're going to be updating that site hopefully three times per week with videos with interviews with other kettlebell experts. We're going to have a lot of fun, you know, bringing kettlebells to the masses. And, you know, obviously people have been doing this before us, and, and really what we're trying to do is continue it because, you know, we certainly have a, a fairly good voice in the community of fitness, and that's what our goal is to do, is to share the convenience and the effectiveness that Chris has done. And and you know me and, and my uh, anti-cardio crusade, so we're going to keep that up. So everyone, thank you again for being part of the call and checking out the kettlebell stuff, and we look forward to speaking with you again on another call and hearing from you in the blog contest that we're going to tell you all about tomorrow. So thank you very much, everyone, and have a great night.